Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Everybody prepared this morning? You have your Bible with you? Do you love God's holy written word? Is it a lamp to your feet and a light to your path? Let's hold our Bibles to heaven and say thank you, Father, for your holy written word. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what your word says I have. I am what your word says I am. I can do what your word says I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint my ears to hear my heart to receive and my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to the word. Change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say, I will never ever, never ever be the same again. In Jesus name, amen. Praise God. You know, change is not an easy thing for anybody, is it? And so when you commit to saying, I don't want to be the way I am tomorrow, I want to be different. I want to be more like Jesus. Amen? It's a big thing in our lives, isn't it? Praise God. It's easy just to settle for the status quo in our lives. But praise God, we are inspired in Scripture to grow up into Him in all things. Amen? This morning we're going to talk about the Lord's Supper since we are celebrating the Lord's Supper this morning. And so our first text is going to be found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 26 where the Apostle Paul was given instruction by Jesus with regard to the celebration of the Lord's Supper. He says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. So as often as we do it, whether you do it every day, whether you do it once a week, whether we do it quarterly, however we do it, whenever we celebrate the Lord's Supper, those three things take place. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But first of all, a man's life is not measured by the duration of his life, but by the donation of his life and the investments that that person makes in life to benefit, you could say, mankind, to benefit human life. Well... How many of you drove a car here today? How many of you rode a car here today? Okay, well, someone made a donation. Carl Benz made a donation. And I'm sure you're glad that he did. How many of you, since it's been so hot and humid this summer, appreciate air conditioning? Someone by the name of Willis Carrier made a donation, and aren't you glad that he did? Sure. Has anyone ever been helped by an antibiotic? Who do you thank for that? Alexander Fleming. You appreciate his investment in antibiotics and the help that it's provided for people over the many years, right? How about the Wright brothers? Has anybody ever flown in an airplane? Okay, so you see what I'm talking about. Donations are made by individuals that bless mankind and bless our lives. And we all benefit from all those donations. So it's not the duration of a person's life, it's the donation. Now, I know someone who lived only 33 years on this planet. 
But yet he made a donation that stands alone by itself. That transcends anything and everything that any other person ever did to benefit humanity. Anybody know his name? What's that name? Do you love that name? Absolutely. Now we're going to celebrate. Now remember only 33 years. Now it's all represented right here in this supper that we celebrate today. The Lord's Supper. But also we need to understand it stands alone because it transcends all other donations and it touches every tense known to mankind. Past, present, and future. We're going to explore what he did. His donation. And what we're going to do is we're going to ask ourselves the question. How should I respond to it? What should my response to be, be to the donation that Jesus made for me? Now in that one verse alone we see three tenses. You show forth the Lord's death is past tense. Till he comes, future tense. As we do it, present tense. Every time you do it, as often as you do it. We're going to first start with the past tense of the donation of the Son of God to humanity. The past tense of it. So first and foremost, we see that Jesus made a donation when he died upon Calvary's cross that brought destruction to the enemy and deliverance to every human being who accepts what he did. Look at the book of Hebrews chapter 2. This is from the New Living, uh, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, from the King James translation. For as much then as, child, as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. Tell me, can anyone destroy the power of death that we've mentioned so far here today? No, no one. No one could. No one who ever lived. No one who ever will live. And no one who is living now. There's only one person that was capable of doing that. And he became a man. The second person of deity became a a man in order to do it. So notice what he did. He took part of flesh and blood that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So the death of Jesus that we celebrate today. We celebrate the destruction of the kingdom of darkness and the deliverance of all mankind. Anyone who will accept what he did for them, his donation. That's a whole lot better than riding in a car. Because the car you ride in will not take you into eternity. Can you say amen? That's a whole lot better than air conditioning. Because there is no air conditioning in the lake of fire. Can you say amen to that? And it's a whole lot better than an antibiotic. (laughs) Praise God Almighty. Because there is no sickness in glory. Can you say amen to that? So Jesus did what no man could do by his donation. In the short period of time that he lived upon the earth. And then secondly, his donation was an act of obedience. Look in the book of Philippians chapter 2. This is from the New Living Translation of the Bible. And I'll tell you what, you talk about wanting to shout and celebrate here today. If you are an eternal spirit being, and I believe we all are in this place, you got to shout over this. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God and did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, instead he gave up his divine privileges. 
He took the humble position of a slave. He was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Somebody better shout. Glory to God Almighty. Did you hear what he did for all of us? Fleming couldn't do that. Carrier can't do that. Benz can't do that. The Wright brothers can't do that. Jefferson can't do it. Edison can't do it. The list goes on and on. No one can do what he did. Which is why his donation transcends all other donations. Thank God that he died to death. But to do it he had to become a man and humble himself. And take upon himself our sin, our sin nature. And become our curse and separation from God upon himself. To deliver all of us. No one made this donation. No one could have. And thirdly, we see his donation inspires us. And it should inspire us to live in the realm of unconditional love. Look in the book of Romans chapter 5. The donation that he made was not in response to someone who was loving God or living for God. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright most people would not be willing to die for an upright person though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet sinners hallelujah oh let's remember he said remember me when you celebrate this remember me so look, let's remember him. Look, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. But let's remember him. He's the second person of deity. He's having a great day. It's a wonderful time. I mean, I don't know what heaven's like. Maybe Andrew does. He's been there. I don't know what it's like. But others haven't come back and told us about it. Sounds like a wonderful place. I don't know what his responsibilities would be before he came, became a man. But I know that one day the father leaned over and said to the son, I don't want to leave mankind in their awful state. I don't want them to be lost to eternity in a lake of fire. I don't want that. Someone must be willing to go down there to the earth and become what they are. To deliver them from what they've become when Adam chose to rebel against me. Son, would you be willing to go? And he says, Father, prepare me the body. I'm ready to go. I'm going to leave all this behind I'm going to set it aside all my rights all my privileges I'll become a man once for all throughout eternity I will identify with mankind to deliver them from the fate of eternal destruction and damnation and he became a man and he was born to die born to die as the sacrificial lamb remember him think about it without his sacrifice without his donation we're all doomed to an eternal lake of fire. Secondly, we're going to skip over the present. We're going to go to the future. Because you see, the donation that he made, yes, let's just say it's like these others made donations that affect us on earth, even after they're gone. But his donation affects us eternally. Amen. Not just while we're on earth. You see, the future... It was declared he's coming again. Look in Acts chapter 1, 9 through 11. This is after his resurrection. This is after he tells his disciples to go wait in Jerusalem until the day of Pentecost comes. 
And as he begins to ascend, it's his ascension to heaven. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. Now, now can you imagine that? The one you knew that was dead, who is now alive, who gave you instructions to go and wait for the power of the Holy Spirit, is, was talking to them. All of a sudden, he begins without any strings, without any kind of television trickery. He starts ascending on high. And they're like, they're watching. No strings. And there he goes. And what happens? While they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men that were angels stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? <laughs> well, it's not commonplace, or it's not every day, that we stand and we see someone talking to us all of a sudden, just to begin to rise. It was kind of unique. Now, for them, it was nothing. They see it all the time. The same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Now they've got a message burning in their soul. They're on fire. They're set ablaze. He's alive and they know he's alive. He's commissioned them to go, instructed them to go to Jerusalem and wait for the power of the Holy Ghost to fall upon them. He then begins to ascend up if they were unconvinced at that time. Now he ascends up into heaven. They watch him going up. Now angels appear in white apparel and tell them he's coming back. You see him going up? Keep your eye on him. But he's coming back the way he was. Going up. And the Bible reveals to us he's coming back two ways. First of all, he's coming back in what is called the rapture of the church. First Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13. But it would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. What if God doesn't want us ignorant about something, then we should know about it, right? Concerning them which are asleep or who have died, to give you some background history of that, the church of Thessalonica, I mean, they heard the, the teachings. They knew what uh, Jesus taught about, if you believe on me, you're never going to die. Well, why are our people dying? People's dying. And they're writing letters to Paul. Why are people dying? They're dying all the time. He says, don't be without understanding concerning those who have died, that you sorrow not as those that have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that which are alive, we which are alive and remain to the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. <clears throat> I can't think of a more comforting thing when you have someone who's lived out their life and they move to heaven. Praise God Almighty to tell those that have been left behind, I comfort you with this. Death does not have the final say. Your loved one is very much alive. Walking on streets of gold. Fellowshipping with patriarchs of old. Joining the grandstands of heaven. Having a high time in God. And they're waiting for us to come. They're there in spirit and soul. Their bodies left here behind. But one day, one day the resurrection soil is going to give up their dead. Praise God. The graves are going to open. They're going to come out of that grave. And then when they come out, they're going to reunite with their, their spirit and soul. And we that are alive, praise God Almighty, this mortal body is going to put on immortality. This corruption is going to put on incorruption. And we're going to be caught up in the sky. And a family reunion. Union will take place in the air, praise God. 
and we're going to see our loved one. You talk about a donation. What a donation. Jesus is made for all of us to enjoy. So comfort one another with these words. Death doesn't have the final say. Hallelujah. But then there's something else. It's not just the rapture of the church. It's his second coming. He said he's coming again as he went up. You see, in the rapture, he doesn't come and touch ground. But in the second coming, he does. On the Mount of Olives and splits the thing in two. <laughs> We've been watching for how long? Over here on, right off of 376 by the mall. They've been doing all this work, moving mountains, right? With bulldozers and all that. Making a way for roads to go this way, that way, the other way. They should have asked Jesus because when he comes, he's just going to touch his feet on them. He's going to split just like that. Just like that. Enough room for a holy city. Amen. But he's coming to do two things. Number one, he's going to save Israel at that time. Those that think they can wipe out Israel, they have another thought coming. It will never, mark my words, it will never happen. Never, 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 never. Never going to happen. Because God made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay? But so he's going to come and save them when it seems like they're going to be destroyed. When it seems like all the enemies have gathered around them. And they're just like vultures going to destroy them and eat them up. He's going to come. Secondly, he's going to come to set up his eternal kingdom. On the earth. For a thousand years he's going to reign as king of kings and lord of lords. He's going to show every politician the way it was supposed to be done. And there's not going to be a voting process. He's king of kings. He's lord of lords. And he's going to reign that way. Amen. And he's going to, there's not going to be an economic problem. He's going to fund it with a tithe. Amen. Praise God. You ready for it? Look at Revelation chapter 19. Now I recall the first time he came. He came as a baby. Innocent. Making no waves. Obeying his parents. Sweet as can be. Can you imagine Jesus running around the yard playing? Hide and see. Hide and go see. Right? Then he got 30 years old. Got baptized in water. And guess what? All the powers of darkness broke loose, broke loose over his life. Tried to wreak havoc with his life. Tried to kill him. Tried to take him out. Because he wanted to do good things for people. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. And of course the religious leaders of the day didn't like it. They wanted to snuff him out. Right? I got news for all of us. When he comes again. He's not coming as a baby. He's not coming with innocence. Okay? No, 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 no. This is how he's coming. I saw heaven. Now remember, they're all gathered around Israel. They're going to destroy Israel. All the nations are coming against Israel to wipe them off the planet. That little parcel of land that's brought so much headaches and problems, so many things, so many lives. That little parcel of land. I saw heaven open. And behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. 
And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. And the armies that which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron and he treadeth the wine press of the fierceness of the wrath of almighty God and he hath on his vesture a name uh, uh, on his thigh a name written king of kings and lord of lords hallelujah so you think when the two angels that said while you men gazing up there looking up can you imagine when this massive amount of people, all the armies collected together to destroy Israel have gathered, and all of a sudden, heaven opens. Here comes a white horse. Here comes Jesus leading the army of Almighty God with flame of fire in his eyes, vesture dipped in blood, and he descends upon. Can you imagine when all the eyes... Can you imagine that scene? He's coming again. My brother and my sister, he's coming again. Amen. And when he comes, they're going to know it. See, in the rapture, only we know it. We're caught out of here. Other people left behind are like, well, I was just talking to her. She was about my thing. and She's gone. They were just pumping gas just a moment ago. Think about it. But on this event, every eye is going to see him. And they're going to know he's a little bit ticked off. A little bit. You touching my anointed people, the people that I have vowed to defend, I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you think you're going to what? You've got to get through me. Amen? Okay. So now we saw the past, his death, and what it means to us. And now we see the future of his donation. Praise God. He's coming again to change us and glorify us. And also to deliver Israel. But now thirdly, the future. I mean, thirdly, the present. The present. In other words, how should this impact my life and the way I live? And let's just say the donations I make as I live my life upon the earth. Should this influence me to live my life a certain way? Or should I ignore all this? Anybody here when it's like 95 degrees like it's been the last few days, 90s and the 90s and all that? Do you just turn off your air conditioning and just say, I just rather sit in a hot house and sweat? Or if you live about 10 miles away from the church and it's about 80 already, 5, 80, 85 this morning, I'm, I'm just going to walk to church. Forget the car. I'm just going to walk to church. Right? No, I don't think so. No. Well, when it comes to what Jesus did and the donation that he made, why should anyone ignore it? Why should anyone not allow it to impact his or her life? I believe we should. It should influence us to make the right donations and right investments as we live our lives upon the earth. Number one, it should influence us 
to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What investments are we making? Ask yourself these questions before we celebrate this supper. What investments are we making in the kingdom of God? First off, Jesus said you must be born again to enter my kingdom, didn't he? Absolutely. He told them to be filled with the Holy Ghost and power, didn't he? You should receive the Holy Ghost. Those who believe on him should. Indicating that once you get saved, you should be filled with the Holy Ghost, number two. Also, seek the kingdom and his righteousness means what? Our righteousness is not based as theirs was under the law. Our righteousness is based on faith in Christ Jesus and what he did. He became sin for us to make us the righteousness of God in Christ. Right? So in other words, what investment am I making in the kingdom of God? Am I partaking of the donation he made so I can make the proper donations in my life to serve the living God, to seek his face, to make my contribution to the advancement of the kingdom of God upon the earth in whatever way he instructs me? Putting him first in my life, worshiping him alone. Don't in any way malign his name. And then make sure that you find yourself a good Bible-based church where you can go to church and participate in doing what? Helping other people, sharpening other people. Iron sharpens iron so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Taking your place, promoting unity within the body. You know what? I'll tell you what, I say this with all humility. Not pride, humility. I've been here 37 years. And when I tell that to some people, like, how long have you been in ministry? 37 years, they're like, What? Same church, 37 years? Uh Uh-huh. This August, 37 years. And you know what? It's because of the unity of the body. It's because of people have pulled together. They've gone through tough times together. We've worked through things together. And we all have promoted unity within this body of believers. And when people come together in unity, great things can happen. We're making an impact, whether it's here in our locality or as we've been doing so around the world in different venues in different ways we've been doing it and we've been doing it successfully all because we've all come together in one heart one mind one accord with a desire to advance the kingdom of God upon the earth and you know what where God's at work like that there's no weapon that from against you can prosper and so I applaud all of you I applaud all of you because of what you've done to keep things together Amen. And work together for God. So no matter what your calling is, you think writing out that card is meaningless to the kingdom of God? Let me tell you something right now. When you encourage somebody by writing out a simple little card, you are blessing that person's life. You're imparting something to that person's life. It could be a young person that's out there in college and in that atmosphere maybe being tempted to maybe stray and go away or whatever. But you instruct that person. You touch their heart by that little card that you sent, the little words that you spoke, that you quoted the scripture or whatever you said to impart something to that life. You're being a blessing. You're advancing the kingdom of God. you're seeking God's kingdom for yourself. You're seeking the will of God for yourself. You're doing what you know to do to grow as a Christian, as a believer in Christ. And then maybe whatever ministry he's called you to, it could be a simple ministry, an ushering ministry. It could be working on the worship team, the praise and worship team. It could be I- involving yourself in, in uh, let's say, going to colleges and, and speaking to people, young people, and, and getting part of an organization. doesn't matter what it is. It matters whether or not you do it. And so number one, you're seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And you're making an investment, your donation is in the advancement of the kingdom of God. It could be as simple as this, writing out a simple little check to say, here, here's my $5 to support your work, to support your ministry. And guess what? Everything that ministry stands for and does, you get credit for it. Wow. It's pretty good, wouldn't you say? Amen. Amen. Number two, it should impact our, let's say, donation that we make in our marriage, the investment we make in our 
marriage, marital relationship with our spouse. In the book of Ephesians, let's read these verses, chapter 5, <clears throat> believing at verse 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother. I thought that was Old Testament. It is. But Paul quotes it. When he's talking about Christian conduct and character and attitude, when he talks about family life and commitment, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. How's that making a donation? Because when you obey that mandate what you do is you make a donation that your children can see God Christ and the relationship Christ has with the church they can see that and it opens up a highway for God to move in their lives so that they too make Christ the Lord and Savior of their lives so when you have parents that are godly I'll tell you what you young person out there if you've got parents that serve the Lord that teach you the ways of God, that point you to the Bible, that point you, bring you to church and point to you these particular things in your life. I'll tell you what, it's a donation, praise God, that they're making in your life that blesses you beyond measure, more than you know, because it affects your now and your eternity. And so I say to you, applaud your parents that have taken a stand to show you the way of life. Amen. And you know what? I said this at, at Brother Del Cooper's service and I, I tell you what I'm, I, I, I'm going to say it again right here this morning leave cleave and become one right that was the mandate brother Dale Cooper and sister Mary Cooper epitomized what that means 71 years married in love more than the day before Loving each other, caring for each other. If you say, wait, make one comment about Mary, Dell's eyes light up like a neon sign, just as bright as can possibly be. Oh, I just love her so much. God has blessed me so much. At their 70th wedding anniversary, seeing them hugging and kissing, and it was a slow dance. It was just. <laughs> probably slower than their first dance when they got married a little bit slower but what a what a sight to behold to see two people so much in love after all those years see it's not a Hollywood thing they get married for three years because they're supposedly two picture perfect people with you know no body fat <laughs> but starving their heads off <laughs> right the investments that you make impact your children your children's children and what an impact they have made and what an example for all of us in this body of believers to see right and then thirdly the donation that you make in your children's lives what does the Bible say in Proverbs 22 and verse 6 train up a child in a way he should go and when he is old he will not depart of it to child train means to, by precept and example, show them the way of life. In other words, you go to church if you want them to go to church. You don't talk bad about other people if you don't want them to talk bad about other people. 
you don't abuse this or abuse that. You set the example for them by your teaching and by your lifestyle. Yes, I understand nobody's perfect. You know, you can't be perfect in this realm. Only Jesus was perfect in this realm. But it's, it's in your heart to set the right example for your child. That's the donation that you're making more than anything else in your child's life. And that's so important. And then next, even when it comes to your profession, your profession. Once again, let's go to the book of Ephesians, I believe it is. Uh, chapter 6. Servants, oh, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service, in other words, not while they're watching you, as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. You're making a donation in your life by living this kind of a godly lifestyle even before your employer so that person can see Christ in you. In other words, our lives are to be lived as beacon lights for others to be able to see Christ in us, the hope of glory. And when that employer comes to you and just says, you know what, these other people around me, I can say this, 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 but, but you, you're different. Why are you so different? Why are you so cooperative? Man, I worked, at, you heard me say this testimony one, once or twice before. I worked at this one plant. I wasn't even a Christian at that time, but I had Christian values. And the way I grew up, I was taught certain things. And thank God for the, that kind of a foundation. Can you say amen? I got born again after that, but I had that instilled within me as a young person. A work ethic that was instilled within me. And I made these lids. I had these lids that I put together, and I was the one that riveted the, the handle on the lid. And since it was a boring job, Boring, 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 boring job. Can you imagine for eight hours riveting these handles to the lid? So I started to compete with myself. And every day I try to make more than the day before. And I make more and more and more and more and more and more. When all of a sudden I started noticing some things. The older workers were coming up to me with disdain in their face and on their eyes and like, you're robbing us of our overtime. I was only like 18, 19 years old. I'm, I'm, what are you talking about? I'm here to work. I'm, don't bother me. I'm just working. Next thing I know, there is some spittle in all of my lids. The, the lid pieces, there were two pieces. The handle, the riveting plate, and the lid. And it wasn't clean spit. <laughs> I'm going like this. <laughs> what point I'm making is even where we work how we represent Christ in all of our daily life it's important he died for us he's coming again for us he has a place for us his donation provides for our eternity this is a short time we live on earth. It's a blink of an eye. And as James said, it's like a flash. It's a vapor that disappears in a moment of time. And what's God want us to do? Live it in such a way to let everybody know our light's shining among men. They see our good works. They glorify our Father in heaven. And you're, doing a, you're making a wonderful donation and deposit in the things of God. That God will bless you for them. What about the last one? For people. Others. And this is where we all need to really excel as well. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 20, New Living Translation, whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. 
For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Remember one time I was called to go to some particular city close by and just, hold, just preach as part of a, they were having a seminar. And I was just to have one session during that seminar. And during that time that I was to go there, I was going to speak on some things. And, and uh, one person just after I got done contacted me after I gave my message and said, oh my goodness. You see, this is a little bit some time ago when, when the preachers were like, if you, they were like, um, if they pulled up in their car, some of them pulled up in their own car. Some of them wouldn't drive themselves. They had to be driven, see. And some of them had to have their I'll just say someone had to carry their briefcase and Bible for them because you see they were so special beyond words you see and I was kind of surprised someone to get a broom out and just sweep the floor for them and roll down the red carpet because they were walking in to go there and you know and share their wisdom with people and yet Jesus gets tied to a whipping post uh-huh down the Via Della Rosa, did you ever see anybody do anything like that for him? Because you see, when I preached my message, I talked about how we need to be servants to all. And when they came up to me, since they were so used to all the other preachers that had come on before me, and they came up to me and said, let me carry your Bible. I said, no, thank you. Let me carry yours. Want me to bring your briefcase? I said, no, I'd be glad to carry yours, though, if you like that. They were like stunned. Then when I delivered my message and they got the point of what I was saying, they were like, this is refreshing. This is refreshing. No, I'm not here to be exalted. I'm here to exalt Jesus. I'm not here to be served. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to lay down my life for you. I'm to give of myself for your good, not for my good, not for my advantage. And the person just said, I will never, never, never forget that meeting because that impacted our hearts in such a way to realize that's what it's truly about every one of us becoming a servant to all how can I serve you how can I bless you how can I help you can I help you carry your heavy burden today well that's what I'm here for can you say amen, amen. isn't that what it's all about isn't that what Jesus did so amen in conclusion <clears throat> no one can make the donation that Jesus made but his donation can influence the donations we make. And his donation should influence us. And I want, to, want everyone to see this verse. Because this of all verses in the Bible is the most challenging verse I think we could ever muster up. 1 John chapter 2 verse 6. Amplified Bible. Whoever says he abides in him. Do you say that you live in him? Are you in him? ought as a personal debt to walk and conduct himself in the same way in which he walked and conducted himself. Either you're going to say, oh my, ouch, oh me, or hallelujah. <laughs> That's my goal. What did Jesus say when he talked about a disciple? A disciple can never be better than his master, but he can be as his master. So discipleship means to sit at the feet of Jesus, look into his eyes, listen to his words, and then say, I want to be like 
Not Mike, but Jesus. You'll get that in a moment. Right? That's the goal of reading the Bible. Not just to say, I read a chapter today. But to read it and just say, how does that impact my thinking today? How will that help me be more like Christ today? Beloved, this supper, this is the donation that was made by the second person of deity, the Son of God. We don't do it as more often. You know why? Because I want it to be special. I want it to be impacting. Not something that we just religiously do. It's time for communion. Let's go out the door. This sacrifice is the sacrifice that enables us to experience life eternal, eternally in the kingdom of God in a position in the high place of heaven based on what? Our service to Him as we live our lives upon the earth. And in this celebration of the Lord's Supper, there's a reminder of the fact our sins are forgiven, our healing has been provided for, our every need has been met, and all we have to do is live our lives to make our donation to the advancement of His kingdom that He gave His life for in ever, any way that He asks us to. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound. And through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world, through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you, and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.